Hello, and welcome to the Alka Hunt Podcast, the podcast that gets drunk and says, hey, why is that everyday thing like it is? Sobers up, does some research, drinks and explains it to you. I'm EJ. I'm Beth. And tonight, Beth has a special announcement. I have a cold this week, so if I cough, blow my nose, sneeze, or anything, or sound horrible, I'm sorry. And as is our modus operandi, unless it's a huge interruption or anything else, all of uh, the background noise and distractions and, you know, everything else will be left in without being edited out. But before we get started, I want to I wanna give a couple shout outs. I want to give a shout out to our friends at the No Ship Network, M, Paul, and Steve. They, uh... They're a great podcast to listen to. If you uh, like watching TV series, they, they cover them in depth, like Spartacus, Vikings, Penny Dreadful. Stranger Things. Yeah, Stranger Things. Um, and I'd also like to give a shout out to uh, Tanner and Eric at the Legends, Myths, and Whiskey podcast. They've been super helpful and given some great advice on getting our podcast going. And, and they're fun to listen to. They surely are. They tell some great stories and they sample some fine whiskeys. While I'm not a whiskey drinker myself, they do make them sound delicious. And now we are going to fire it off with a relevant topic, timely here. This is our sixth episode. It is, as of recording, December 12th, and a lot of topics in the news talk about President-elect Donald Trump's uh, cabinet, who he's appointing to these positions. And I wanted to know more about the cabinet because, you know, honestly, it's something you just hear about. You don't know what anybody is or what they do. Agreed. And what we've got in the cabinet is the vice president and then the heads of 15 executive departments. And they are the secretaries of agriculture, commerce, defense, education, energy, health and human services, homeland security, housing and urban development, the interior, labor, state, transportation, treasury, and veterans affairs. And it also includes the attorney general. And their role is to advise the president on subjects relating to each member's specific office. But tonight I am not going to discuss the vice president's duties because this is pretty long. I have seven pages of notes as it is. My topic's much shorter. (laughs) And the first one we're going to fire off is the secretary of state. And no, I don't want to talk about Hillary Clinton when she was secretary of state or anything like that. Because that controversy is not what we're about. I'm just going to... Are we keeping this general? We're not necessarily yeah. discussing Trump's... No, no, no. I'm not, I'm not saying who uh, President Obama's current cabinet is. I'm not saying Just who... their duties. Yes. And I'm not going to touch on all their duties. This is going to be a general overview because these are big departments and they oversee a lot of things. I feel I'm going to learn something. Okay. So, Secretary of State. Uh, they are the principal foreign policy advisor to the president. And like I said, these are just general things. So what they do, they also grant and issue passports to American citizens. I've never had a passport. They ensue or ensure the protection of the U.S. government to American citizens, property and interests in foreign countries. So if you're in England and and, uh, something goes down, they're going to do their best to cover you. They're going to have your back, basically. How nice of them. Yeah. Moving on to the Secretary of Agriculture. And it was actually 
established uh, jointly with the Secretary of Health and Human Services, or they established, excuse me, uh, the procedures for coordinating with respect to nutrition research in areas of mutual interest. So your HHS and your uh, Department of Ag, they cover like the nutritional value stuff and anything that is grown that is for human consumption or anything like that. Okay, I know we're not discussing necessarily Obama-Trump issues, but are they involved in Michelle Obama's school lunch plan? No. That took away all the yummy lunches? No, and don't be don't be an ass. <laughs> You're not funny. Yeah, you are. We're trying to be all educational here, Beth. Well, then I probably shouldn't be drinking. Yeah, it's funny to drink and talk. That's why we do it. Uh, they coordinate all agricultural research extension and teaching conducted or financed by the Department of Agriculture to the maximum uh, extent practiced by other agencies of the executive branch of the U.S. government. Get me? No? Monsanto. Well, yeah. Yeah. But, no. Yeah, no. But we'll get, we'll get there. Uh, they establish uh, federal or cooperative multidisciplinary teams on... Major agricultural research problems with clearly defined leadership, budget responsibilities, and research programs. So let's say there is a huge drought or something like that. They're the ones that are going to head up the people that provide the resources and the information to the farmers and citizens that need it. Wonderful. And they establish appropriate controls with respect to the development and use of application of biotechnology in agriculture. And bio Monsanto. Yes, Monsanto. Goddamn. Beep. No, I'll leave that one in there. Not just Monsanto, but any biotech. There's a lot more than just the GMO stuff and all that that goes on. In all fairness, I've researched nothing on it. I'm just going off of my Facebook feeds and everybody that's is... That's where you should get your news. And that's where you learn everything. Trust me. Next up is the Secretary of Health and Human Services. And I was like, whoa. Responsible for almost a quarter of all federal outlays and administers more grant dollars than all other federal agencies combined. But then I got to looking at it and they're... There's a lot of things they oversee, like the FDA, the CDC, the National Institute of Health, the uh, Administration for Children and Families, Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, and like six other big departments. Well, The Walking Dead has taught me that the CDC is going to fail us. Well, just find yourself <laughs> a Daryl Dixon, you'll be fine. Or... Don't find a Daryl Dixon. You are my Daryl Dixon. My name's Daryl. Uh, the Secretary of Commerce. I distracted and, you. And uh, the Secretary of Commerce, actually, it was really hard to find their duties. Like, this was the hardest one I had to research. Because the information out there is all mission statements and this is what we're going to do. Come on, folks. Look at us go. But nothing solid. I only found a few things. They focus on promoting American businesses in the U.S. and overseas. Uh, they enforce international trade agreements. <clears throat> Coolest thing they do, though, issue patents and trademarks. 
And then they do some non-business stuff, too, like overseeing scientific data that helps forecast the weather and determine the health of the world's oceans. You do love the weather. I do love the weather. Uh, Storm chaser, so, yeah, love tornadoes especially. And onwards, and these are in no particular order. I did not go in the order of succession on these because, you know, you can watch Lone Survivor or something and find out... And we're also trying to keep this within a time limit. What does that have to do with anything? You could have gone way more in depth. Well, no, but I'm just saying, I'm not going in order of succession. Like, after the vice president is such and such, and then such and such, and such and such. I understand. Yeah, you don't. You're faking it. Quit lying to me. I love you. Okay. Um, Secretary of the Treasury, they actually uh, are responsible for manufacturing all the coins and currency. That's cool. For all debt, public and private. And formulating and recommending uh, domestic and international financial, economic, and tax policy. And the Secretary of the Treasury must sign, along with the Treasurer, Federal Reserve notes before they become legal tender. If you pull out a dollar bill, you'll see the... Different people, different times. two, Two signatures. Yep. Onwards to the Secretary of Homeland Security. And this position was actually created by the Homeland Security Act following the ta- the attacks of September 11, 2001. So is it one of the newest? It is the newest. And it consists of components transferred from other cabinet departments because of the role in Homeland Security. Their oversight includes the U.S. Coast Guard and the Federal Protective Service, the U.S. Customs and Border Protection, which does include Border Patrol. They also are in charge of U.S. Immigrant and Customs Enforcement, and that includes the Homeland Security Investigation, and the Secret Service. Yeah, that got moved over there. And FEMA, and the Federal Emergency... Or, FEMA is the Federal Emergency Management Agency. You know, they're the ones you see on Facebook with the coffins on the trucks. Yes. Yeah, no, that's not what that is. And But the FBI and CIA do not fall under their jurisdiction. Where do they fall? It's a secret. Okay. I didn't research where they fell, actually. Onwards to the Secretary of Defense. They have power over the military, and it's second only to the president himself. So actually, they have more authority as far as military things go than the vice president. Wow. Yeah. Um, and it's for civilian control of the military, actually. No appointee can be within seven years of an active role as a commissioned officer of a regular component of the armed forces. But seven years, really, I mean, if you served a lifetime and you retired at 56 and it's been seven years, but your entire adult life was committed to a branch, I feel like your civilian abilities might not be as civilian as, you know, like mine. That's just an observation. And really, it's like the equivalent to a defense minister in other countries like England or anywhere like that. It's parliament. And it is the oldest government agency and can be traced back to pre-Revolutionary War America. Wow. Well, that's because our military was around before we had the Revolutionary War. Kind of cool, huh? Militia! Yeah, Minutemen. The Secretary of Transportation oversees the FAA, which is the Federal Aviation Administration, the Federal Highway Administration, the National Highway Traffic, Traffic Safety Administration, and eight other agencies. They're wow. busy. Wow. 
And they negotiate and implement international transportation agreements as well, not just stuff here. And a lot of our trucker friends are not big fans of the Department of Transportation. No. But they issue regulations to prevent alcoholic and illegal drug misuse in transportation systems, so that's a win. Yeah. Okay. Now, Secretary of Energy. They oversee policies with the U.S. energy and the safe handling of nuclear material. That's a big job, too. That is huge. They're responsible for the U.S. nuclear weapons program and nuclear reactor production for the United States Navy. I mean, they got they deal with some heavy stuff. And then, Beth, they direct research in genomics, like the Human Genome Project originated as a Department of Energy initiative. Really? Yeah. It's got to start somewhere. Why not there? That's intriguing. Yeah. Genomics. But that's Monsanto. Right? Facebook. Secretary of Education is the smallest cabinet department. Only about 5,000 employees. Okay, I have issues with that. No, you let me finish? Why do you have issues with that? Okay, no, you go ahead. And no, then you, I'll have my issues. You tell me your issues before I finish. Secretary, Secretary of Education. The education of our young people who are going to take over all these roles later on has the smallest area. But when you have one teacher in a classroom of 30 pupils... Let's not go there. What about one teacher in a classroom of 10 pupils? How many teachers do you need per kid? Yeah, this is complicated stuff that I have no idea how to answer. But aside from the No Child Left Behind Act and the Common Core State Standards Initiative, it mostly leaves the curriculum and standards to the state and local school districts. And those things are both relatively recent, obviously. But like... They don't hold any sway over, like, accreditation of schools or anything like that. That they don't have any direct involvement of that. So, say you've got a really, really, really poorly run school system that's just totally overburdened with children and has less than stellar staff. They really can't do anything about it. Did they have anything to do with the curse of handwriting? No. No. Because they really don't get involved. That is at a state and local level. You and your cursive handwriting. Okay. Ah. Secretary of the Interior. They manage about 75% of the federal public land, and most of the rest is actually managed by the U.S. Forest Service under the Department of Agriculture. Not Monsanto. (laughs) They're responsible for conservation of most federal land and natural resources, too, which is, I think, a good thing. This might be my favorite department. Well, that's because we, like parks yeah i like to be by big trees and rivers and they also administrate programs relating to native americans native alaskans and native hawaiians that's awesome well i don't know how awesome it is (laughs) you know i didn't do any research this is just duties brief overview people but but sometimes they are called the department of everything else as a joke because they're they have such a broad range of responsibilities it's just whatever like, I don't, I don't want that, says Department of Energy. Me neither, says Department of Ag. Oh, let's just send it over there to, to the Secretary of the Interior. He'll, he'll take care of it. Yeah, that's it. Good idea. Let's take a break. Okay. Amy. All right. 
Again, sec- we are not trying to put our political views I'm, I'm just trying upon you. Be- We're just trying to inform you about the different political offices. Well, the cabinet positions. I'm, I hate everyone. No, that's not true at all. I'm just trying to be funny. The Secretary of Housing and Urban Development. They support home ownership, access to housing, free from discrimination, and community development, which I think is important. You know, you should not be denied a loan or anything. The equal housing is super important. It doesn't matter who you are or where you want to live. You should not be denied a place to live based on anything other than, like, not being able to pay for your house, I suppose. They could probably do that and be like, uh, sir, you owe $45,000 yet on this this mortgage and you paid you know nothing in the last six months yeah i suppose that could be a problem if you're just doing it on purpose but if you can't afford it i mean should you lose your house because you're in trouble financially and there's nothing you can do about it no i don't think so uh they help economically distressed communities use federal funds strategically to support job creation and economic development which that's good because they're not doing it for them but they're like okay if you do this and you can bring in this company and they'll help you uh, make your community prosperous. That sounds very beneficial. I'm not sure how efficient all these are with any of these departments, but they do provide more than 2.5 billion to continue progress towards the end of chronic homelessness and homelessness among veterans and families, which is good. But you know, if it's continuing towards, I'm guessing there's some progress I'm hoping there's some progress because we live in one of the greatest countries in the world. We should not have homelessness, but we do. And we have laziness too. Very true. But a lot of the lazy people I know are living better than some of the people that just can't seem to get a hand up, but that's, you know, a different podcast. No, not just personal. I'm not going to talk about how lazy some of my friends are (laughs) talking to you, Chuda. Just kidding. You're, you're the busiest lazy guy I know. Uh, Secretary of Veterans Affairs. The, no politics here because I have a lot of friends who are veterans and I'm just going to tell you some of the things they do and you can let us know what really happens. But and move on. They provide the millions of American veterans and their dependents with health care services, benefits programs, and access to national cemeteries. They're responsible, though, for the Montgomery GI Bill, which provides up to 36 months of funding for veterans to study at colleges, technical, or vocational schools. And I am a big fan of that. I think that is super cool. I just wish it was utilized more. And the veterans that I know that have tried to use it didn't have to jump through so many hoops to get that education that is supposed to be right there for them. And they also offer services and assistance by vocational rehab and counseling to enable veterans with service-related disabilities to gain and keep employment, which is huge. That's very huge. And I read something else that said if they can't keep and gain employment, if their disability is too extreme where they're just it's not an option, then they'll try and help them in other ways to still be an independent citizen, which is great. But how often does it happen? I don't know. Secretary of Labor. No, not giving birth, Beth. Uh, the most visible function... I've done that a time or two. Yeah, I know. The most visible function is managing and distributing unemployment benefits to insured unemployed workers. I myself have never 
uh, drawn unemployment benefits, but I do know people that have, and it's it's a good deal for a lot of people, you know, especially if they really want to work and just kind of want to keep you afloat yeah. till you can find something. And you know, I'm stubborn, and you know, I never utilized it when I needed to when I was between jobs that one time because I'm stubborn, and I was like, I don't want no crutch there. But never mind. Uh, they ensure workplace safety through OSHA, the Occupational Safety Hazard Administration. And there are mixed thoughts on OSHA from a lot of the people that I know. But as a rule of thumb, OSHA does what OSHA is supposed to do. And it was actually, this Secretary of Labor was actually, years ago, the Secretary of Commerce and Labor. Until they were split into two departments. And the last one I have is the Attorney General. And they represent the United States in legal matters. They are the chief law enforcement officer and chief lawyer in the U.S. And it's the only cabinet member position without the title of secretary. Um, and they may intervene in proceedings before any courts, regulatory officers, agencies, or bodies, either state or federal, on behalf of the state. And they also handle all criminal appeals from state trial courts. And that really basically uh, is all I want to talk about. I know I painted with some really broad strokes there of all these departments. But, you know, it it would be a super long podcast if I went into all sorts of details. And honestly, I had seven pages of notes as it was, so... I'm pretty okay with being done. Now I learned a lot, so. Well, you've given us quite a bit to chew over. Oh, was that a pun? Um, I've decided tonight to give a brief history on chewing gum. Oh, I, <laughs> I got caught masticating a time or two. <laughs> um, on a lighter note, chewing gum dates back to the Greeks, who would chew on resin from the mastic trees. Europeans were chewing is on... That, is that where mastication came from? I didn't research that. I'm researching... Well, it's the mastic tree. I, I wonder. That's that's a good question. Go ahead. Sorry. Europeans were chewing on birch bark tar 9,000 years ago. And the ancient Mayan, they chewed on... Mayan? Chickle, oh. which came from the Ch sopadilla trees. Chickle. Okay. If you say so. Pretty sure. And Chickly. the North American Indians chewed on spruce resin. And wow, that had to be strong. Pinefall, baby. <laughs> In the 1840s, John Curtis came out with a commercial spruce tree gum by boiling resin and then cutting it into strips that were coated in cornstarch to keep it from sticking. Oh. But by the 1850s, John, who already knew that spruce resin really didn't taste all that good. Have you ever gotten spruce resin on your hands? No. It's super, super sticky. And it would be a great adhesive if it had a stronger bond, but never mind. It's well, just, it became brittle starch. very fast. Yeah, I suppose it dries out. So <laughs> he switched to ingredients like paraffin wax. Well, side note, the, the pine trees, they actually put the resin into their needles to make them taste bad so animals won't eat them. But what's the animal that likes them? The moose! <laughs> um, the next change to the gum industry um, came in 
came when New York inventor Thomas Adams started experimenting with chicle that he got chicle. that he got from Mexico. He formed a company that by the late 1880s was making gum sold across the country actually. What if I'm wrong and it's not chicle? Well, Chick- you're the one that Chicklets. said it. Chicklets. Chicle was the main ingredient in gum until the 1900s when man- manufacturers switched to synthetic ingredients. And William Wrigley Jr. launched two new gum brands in 1893. Can you guess what they were? Mm. Well, now I want to say like like double mint, but I don't think so. I think it's more like uh, like like that blackjack maybe or you're thinking uh, clove, too far back. Clove gum? No. You're thinking too far back. Oh, well, it wasn't juicy fruit. It was juicy fruit. But juicy fruit's not a real fruit. Juicy fruit and Wrigley's spearmint. Oh. Wrigley set himself apart in the gum industry by spending large amounts in advertising on his product. Actually, in 1915, he sent free samples out to millions of Americans by going through listed addresses and phone books and sending them free samples of his gum. Nice. Which set him apart in the gum industry just because there were people who hadn't necessarily tried gum before that he sent a free sample and they tried it and they liked it. So they went out and bought his product after that. But in 1928, Walter Demere came up with the recipe for bubble gum. Yeah. Before it was just chewing gum. We mentioned bubble gum in a previous podcast, a flavoring. Which allowed the chewer to blow bubbles. Walter was... Bubbles is my dog. (laughs) Oh, that's an old joke. I'm sorry. Walter was 23 and an an accountant for Fleer Chewing Gum Company. He was... Really? So the gum came before the cards? What cards? Fleer baseball cards. I still have some. The really? gum came before the gum, all, or the card. Because <laughs> a, a lot of old baseball trading cards came with gum. That's amazing. I learned something new. Thanks, Beth. Um, he was experimenting in his spare time, actually, when he came up with the recipe for the less sticky and more flexible than other gums at the time. Um, he tested his new bubble gum by taking samples to a local store and sold out in one day. Sweet. The Fleer Chewing Gum Company labeled Walter's gum as Double Bubble. Hmm. It was pink in color because that was the only color available at the company. I did know that. Um, Double Bubble was the only bubble gum on the market, actually, until Bazooka Bubble Gum came out after World War II. And I have some Bazooka Joe comics, too. I have some really old ones somewhere at my parents' house that, like, I got... I bought them at a garage sale or something. Like, really old ones. Not the little waxy paper ones either, but, like, actual paper paper. Cool. I I promised you all that I was going to keep this short and sweet. So, to finish up my brief history on chewing gum, there's an old wives' tale of if you swallow your gum, that it's stuck in your stomach for seven years. Well, that's not true. While gum-based ingredients are indigestible, it does pass through the digestive system and exit the body like all other foods. So you'll be safe to know if you do swallow your bubble gum, it's not living in your stomach for seven years. Well, I was 
kind of hoping that was my new diet. I was just going to swallow a bunch of gum and just not be hungry. No, not bad. No? No, sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that that didn't work. Man. Um, <clears throat> I, I'm just trying to quick Google the uh, ingredients in the flavor of the original bubble gum because I'd read them somewhere before. But I'm not going to waste a bunch of time trying to do that, so we won't. However, that is about enough of us for one day. And if you actually want to tell us the correct way to say... Chick-fil-A. Chickle. Or if you have anything that deals with any of the uh, cabinet offices like Veterans Affairs or the DOT or... Secretary of Agriculture, let Monsanto. us know. Monsanto. Monsanto, I, I don't want to talk about GMOs or anything like that. That, That is something that I have no intention of getting involved in a debate over. We'd still like to hear from you, though. But we would like to hear from you. And I'm Beth. And I'm EJ. And I'm going to tell you now how to get a hold of us. <laughs> if you want to look on Facebook or Twitter... Um, on Facebook, we're Alcaha question mark podcast, and on Twitter, we're Alcaha underscore podcast. And if you want to get in touch with us the old-fashioned way, we're Alcaha at gmail.com. So, until next time, happy drinking. Prost. Prost. Please download us on your favorite listener, whether it be iTunes, Stitcher. Right. And uh, if you'd Share us with your friends. We'd really appreciate it. Um, also, leave us a rating or review on your favorite podcatching service. That will help us immensely. And if you're still listening and holding out with us, also, skull. Skull. Have a good one. Bye. We'll, we'll see you next time. <laughs>